connecting. There we go. A little music for the audience. If I can get the volume up, I think. Let's see here. Did we do that? No, we didn't. Well, we're supposed to have some music. Hold on a second. I think we'll have. There it is. There it is. Tax the rich. Feed the poor. Okay, well, we keep trying to do that here. Do it a little bit at a time. I don't guess you're going to change this thing in one fatal swoop, are you? Uh, that's what we try and do here. And we're here for your freedom, and we're glad you're here to be interested in it and want to know more about it. And uh, we're here to see if we can help you do just that. It's the Wednesday edition of the Radio Ranch. Roger Sales, your host, and phone screener and arbitrator and all this other stuff here that goes on with this role that we play in the freedom game roger sales is the name freedom's the game and we broadcast on the Eurofolk radio network glad to be there following andy with such an intellectual program as just ended there with that uh, gentleman from the rust journal and uh, I guess he's still editor of the barnes review an excellent excellent scholarly publication no longer no longer isn't it the not Barnes Le- oh, the, okay he's not in that position but the Barnes Review's still around right oh yeah okay good deal uh and uh, let's see what else do I need to tell you it's the 18th of August 8 18 21 we're right in the front end of the battle I did want to get into that a little bit today and and we're the enemy um so hey guys good morning we were talking here as i joined at the last right before we went on and you guys were talking about this jitsi platform and jim's uh new ability and i listened a little bit yesterday and it sounded like it was working pretty good jim did you figure out how to get all that done yeah i did uh, it was all um using the same software program i was using before i just figured out a little bit more how to work with it and i've uh got things now so the skype people can hear the jitsi people and the jitsi people can hear the skype people and the euro folk can hear everybody man that's so, quite uh, an i gotta i gotta tip my hat to you that's quite an accomplishment i'll tell you what it was uh, it was fun i was going back oh, and yeah. forth with the company that makes the software and the guy wasn't real helpful but some of the things he said kind of pointed me in the right direction to where i could figure it out on my own okay and uh, it did the job okay so yeah everything is good and at this point like i said it uh I can either, you know, set up a PPN2 or go back to my RAM radio site or whatever or just stay here, whichever, you know, the people want. Okay. Uh, I'm, well, I'm open to anything. All right. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Might as well kick that off here because it was going on okay. right before we went on the air. And one of the things that I, I participated at times, but a whole bunch of the folks that are live on Jitsi would stay in after the show because you were off using your other system and it was mm-hmm. open and they were all together and they they were all hot and lathered from the show and all the whatever it is we were discussing <laughs> and uh they needed to have somebody throw cold water on them so they'd take this little period afterwards and discuss all these things occasionally folks mm-hmm. like carvey would come on and pontificate with some of his intricate knowledge for quite a while and i know that everybody really liked it i i 
usually wanting to go get stuff done and like i am and uh i didn't participate in as much as some of the listeners did and i know that they enjoyed it um Mm -hmm. so uh and i know that that is somewhat that's changed with you transitioning over into your show so what i was going to ask and poll the people there that were involved in that why don't you guys set up an alternate time because you can use the jitsi platform and if you want to get together at any time really and utilize it and have those types of discussions on your own i have no problem with that at all so it may be something you may want to noodle on it's just an idea that crossed my mind i wanted to throw out there so uh you know there's just something that was on my mind because i know that those guys get a lot out of those types of discussions you know it's always the meeting mm-hmm. after the meeting where a lot of the real good stuff happens you know we'd meet after our ccg meetings brent will remember this uh and jack and and some of the other folks that attended those we'd always go over the waffle house afterwards and sit there for hours you know uh talking about stuff and you make a lot of good friends and you get some real good ideas and some things that you may not get in a more formal setting so i just want to throw that out there in light of a a transition we're going through what's your thoughts jim yeah i was gonna say they could set up a jitsi room call it the waffle house and anybody that wants to after your show could just go (laughs) right there The after ranch. We don't want any. You know? We don't want any copyright infringements. Why don't we or, call it? The, why don't we call it the awful waffle? <laughs> it's just so we call it kind of, the ranch house. There you go. Uh, call the ranch house kind of stuff. So I don't know. I'll throw that out to the audience. You guys can noodle on it. You don't have to make a, a decision today. It's just an idea. Um, but I'm glad that you got all those problems uh, straightened out. I'm kind of envious at your technical prowess because uh, mine's gone by the wayside um well it really just was one of those things where i had to be pressured into doing something and having this new piece of equipment that i spent all this money on i wanted to keep it and i had to figure out a way to do that because i didn't want to send it back financial interest is it like a little mixing a little regular mixing board or what jimbo kind of it's it's a it's a cross between a mixer and a sound effects generator i think is the best way to put it oh, but yeah. it's designed actually for podcasting where you record stuff and then post it to the internet mm-hmm. rather than for live streaming mm-hmm. and uh it's got some really cool features that uh, the one big problem is is the USB connection is limited, and I think that's something they can fix in a future version of the uh, firmware update. Um, so I was able to make my my computer do what it needed to so that the limited capabilities of the USB settings on this thing would allow me to, to work, and it's, it's doing it great. So I can keep the toy and, and play with it, and hopefully down the road they'll have even better things to fix it with. But cool. Yeah, for all yeah. intents and purposes, it's it's up and running. And, and you know, for the audience again, and there we got some new folks listening in. This is uh, we we all need to tip our hat to a guy named Paul English. We don't hear from yeah. him too much anymore, and I sure miss talking with him and hearing from him. But he's off doing something else and totally immersed in it, and I got to respect that. Uh, he's the one that spent he spent about a year and a half of his time researching freeware that could fit together that would allow us to do this without having to go through the usual got to have a staff got to have an engineer got to have this got to have that and uh, that allows us to put this broadcast on literally on a shoestring that's why i'm not begging you for money all the time okay and jim too all right 
And uh, so that's one aspect of it. Certainly, it's very important. I, I, I mean, I want to get you on here to learn something and improve your life and maybe change the world a little bit and then have to say, there, well, please send me some money. i got to pay my engineer. You know, or the guy that runs a network that comes in and sits down at your house, kitchen table for the first time, says, boy, you got a nice place here. Why don't you put a second mortgage on it so you can help finance the network? Uh, I don't want to do that. Okay. And uh, also, we don't want all the constant interruptions where we lose our train of thought, as happened last weekend with Ingrid. And there was some important point in one of those spot breaks. And I remember we caught it. The, the spot break caught us. We cut it off, set it up. And in three or four minutes, when we got back, both of us had forgotten where we were. Okay? And I can't stand that. And I don't think it's fair to the audience. Okay? So that's two of the reasons that we embarked on this path uh, that Paul laid out for us. And it has its challenges, such as this kind of stuff we're talking about with Jim and the technological things and the challenges that happen and Bill Gates and his uh, uh, unwanted and unwelcomed updates that come in and change settings on all this software that has to fit together to work perfectly. Anyway, that's kind of where we are, and we do the best we can. Somehow we fumble through it. I lose it occasionally. Uh, and I, I, when things happen behind the scenes, I just, I just lose it because I'm so frustrated and it rages me that I've gone into the back of Windows, into the deep, go to Geek Squad and say, how do you turn off these updates? And you go back there and do it, and, buddy, they still shove them right up your barracks back. Now, they didn't do that with previous versions, but they're doing it with this one, okay? And they don't always change a switch or a little setting but occasionally they do and so i come on here sign on pop on ready to go and i can't talk or i can't hear you or whatever the problem is and i just lose it okay uh part of my personality because i've spent more than a third of my lifetime almost half getting prepared to be able to do this we get it all set up boom and then some stupid technical thing totally stops you in your tracks and it uh quite frankly it you know remember old ralph cramden remember the honeymooners bam zoom straight to the moon boy that's how i feel you know okay um so anyway welcome whole board full of folks here we had a really really productive show yesterday and i loved seeing the new folks we had sam on we had paget on we had lewis on and uh, i think i got all those folks finally got an email from lewis this morning sent him back some stuff he can noodle on start getting going he's ready to go i sense so sam's already gone and i think paget's probably ready to go so you know it's very interesting man all those years we put this out there and you and of course a part of it was you know my way of approaching this was a little different back then because i was real insistent on people learning the information because i've learned and it's so important i don't want to be here and be like this guy hey give me uh you know give me eight hundred dollars thousand bucks i'll file this stuff for you okay well i'm so busy man i can't stop to learn all that stuff about freedom i got to go participate in the system i've been immersed in all my life that i volunteered into slavery in um, well, what what you don't want to learn this stuff you want to just pay me to do this for you and then you think your life's going to change you think anything's going to change in your life you think you're going to be able to go out and change anybody else if you don't you know get the information in there well the information is where your freedom is okay the information is where the growth potential the information is where the re-empowerment comes from that's where all that comes from that's where any changes like alvin lee said i'd love to change the world we ain't going to do it taking a thousand dollars and filing somebody's damn paperwork for them 
You're that ain't going to change. Not evaders. Okay, you you ain't going to change nothing except his bank account. All right, and so that's why I'm dead set against that. All right, and in before when things were different, it was like we don't know what the circumstances you're going to encounter. I want you to learn the information a so that this this process will start. And you'll become the full human being that God meant you to be or fuller, you know, uh, by putting you on this earth before all that was stolen from you. Uh, But also you can affect others with it. So um, I used to really emphasize that and make the material yours. And there's a lot of stuff to learn here. Okay. And if you really want to do that, and we've got some people that do, okay. I mean, K still after ten years. God, I gotta get that R plus D formula down. You know, please. I love those basics. Go over them again. I always hear something different. I always hear that from her. Okay. So I know how important that stuff is, and I know that that's our freedom, and that's how we're going to change the world. That's how we're going to take these things that have been erased from our history and our memory and our consciousness and bring them back so that when we rebuild this shooting match, you got some decent foundations to rebuild it on. If you don't understand those things, you're not going to have that. You're going to have a foundation made out of sand, and you know what happens there, don't you? Okay. And so that's the method to the madness here. Now, things have changed a little bit. They've taken the mask off. They're going for the gold ring. Uh, we've been able to understand this where we can explain it easier and get it across quicker. And you still you don't really have to know all those basics, all those very advantageous for you, because, again, that's where the changes happen. That's where the strengthening happens. That's where the confidence comes from. That's where the re-empowerment builds upon. Boom, 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 step upon step. And that's what I want you to be is re-empowered. I want you to be free, and I want you to have what God meant for you to have, and I want you to be able to achieve everything that he wanted you to achieve to the maximum in yourself. And you can't do that without knowing the information. You're not going to get that by going to, what's this guy's name, Kelby Smith or whatever, and paying him however much to go file your paperwork for you because you're busy. I, You know, sorry. It's just the way I look at this, and I've been in it a long time. Okay. So, uh, anyway, welcome, guys, to the Wednesday edition. Get that out of the way. A couple of things I did want to mention. One of our listeners that sends me a bunch of stuff to listen to and watch, and several of you do that. And I had to write somebody back and say, you must think that I have absolute unlimited amounts of spare time to do all this and evaluate this for you. Okay? I just don't. I'm sorry. I wish I could. wish I could clone myself. So what I'm trying to do here is clone myself in essence uh but i did watch part of one this morning that was along what i wanted to talk about anyway i mentioned it the other day briefly and i'm waiting to see with bated breath if he follows up on it and that's alex on saturday he had this guy that lives in the occupied territories a land a land stealer and uh he's calling in i guess is it rob do that's his that's alex's producer i know he's been there with him almost the whole time he's he's jewish right is it rob do can somebody help me out here that's familiar with this rob do has been there for years and is one of the producers i'm not sure if he's the one that you're talking about i think he is okay and i think that is him so unless i'm corrected we're going to roll forward with that assumption it's an assumption but i think it's pretty founded and Alex had a guy on there briefly that I don't. I think Rob Dew had set him up with. He said, "My producer." 
Okay. So I think it was due that set him up with it. The guy's in the uh, over there in the he's a land stealer. He's living over there in the occupied territories that we we pay, you paid for with your tax dollars, by the way. And uh, he's talking about labor Zionism and the way they control Israel. And uh, and he starts to get into, and he said, now, Rob's dude's real interested in this, too. And the guy's starting to get into, and he mentions Sabbateans. Hello? And he starts getting into the Sabbateans and who these people, these Zionists, really are. And at that point, they ran out of time. And Alex said, I want to have you on for a full segment or a full hour or something and talk about this more this coming week. We'll see if he has him on. Okay. Listen, this is the crux. This is where all this stuff's coming from right here. And we mentioned it yesterday with Paget. Paget was on, our new gal from California, a little fireball lady. Tickled to death to have her. Um, tickled to death she was finally able to get on because she had a little bit of trouble getting on, as some folks do. And uh, I, I, that is just a, a really important aspect of what's going on for several reasons. Uh, a... What's the most vaccinated country in the world? Israel. Along with maybe, what's the island, Gibraltar? Uh, there's the, sea, the Seychelles, is that it? Some little island group in the Indian Ocean, Seychelles, however you say it. Lovely area. Just absolutely stunning, beautiful islands, by the way. Um, they vaccinated all those people. A huge amount of them are having trouble. They're into the third and sec- second, third boosters there in Israel. They're having all kinds of problems with it. Why is Israel the most vaccinated country in the world? Because they're the most propagandized? It's because the Satanist Zionists want to kill off the regular Zionists because they're the other Jews that can get up and point a finger and say, look at the imposters. Just like this go. guy's doing on Alex Jones. They scare, they scare that. They're more scared of that than us. Okay? That's why they left so many Jews in Germany during 1940s. Absolutely. And who did they leave? They left the Orthodox ones, see? Yep. Okay. Well, it was the doctor. It was some, one of these Zionist doctors, and they were good. The, 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 uh, who was it? Hitler was said, give me a couple million dollars, and I'll let all these Jews go. And and the Zionist Jews got over there, but Menachem Begin and a bunch of these creeps back then around some doctor who was an avid Zionist said, no, no, take these people, let those other ones go. Okay. And then they would take, and the people that wanted to immigrate to Israel had to go through a Zionist indoctrination for a week and make sure that they were mentally fit on all these rabid Zionist, Sabbatean, Frankist bastards that they wanted to send down to Israel to start all this crap down there and settle this place. Okay. So they were very, very, very selective on who they sent down there. And it was the Orthodox, millions of them, that got sent to the camps. And it wasn't the Germans that did it. It was these bastards. Go read the transfer agreement. Put it in your search engine, the transfer agreement. It's been a whole book written by a Jew about it. I used to have it in my library, signed by the author. Okay? So that's and, and now they're going in. And, I mean, look, when we first got into this, and this guy mentioned, this guy actually mentioned these organizations, Nutricarta. Okay? Nutricarta is one. I think they've. Still, I'm sure they've still got an ed, a website up. Nutricarta is K A R T A, if I remember right. dot org, 
And, and then there's another one that parallels that one called JewsAgainstZionism.org. Okay? These are your orthodox. And these are the ones, and I've seen pictures of it. And I guarantee you never saw any, any hardly any pictures of it. The only place you'll see it's on their websites or through some of their uh, peripheral uh, 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 presence. Okay, And that's when there'd be twenty or 25,000 of these orthodox Jews going down on Wall Street and the big streets in New York carrying signs of Judaism is not Zionism. Jews against Zionism. Huge signs about all that. Did you ever see that there on NBC, ABC, CBS, or any New York Times or any newspaper? No, you never saw a single picture of it, did you? I know you didn't. Okay, it's a rhetorical question because they don't want that information out there. And that's who they're trying to kill in Israel with this shot and mandating all this stuff and the really, really clamp down regulations on, hell, you can't even hardly go to the bathroom over there without some sort of a passport, uh, vaccine passport in your own home. I mean, that's facetious, of course, but but, but it's getting that bad, all right? Now, this morning, this listener sent me, and I'll, put, I'll post it at the end of the show description today. I put the one on the uh, yesterday on the uh, diplomatic couriers. I finally remembered to put it up there. So if you want to go back and look at yesterday's, there's a really good thing. Gary, our buddy Gary, sent it to me, uh, David's brother Gary, on the whole history of uh, diplomatic uh, 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 diplomatic guys going through the, the Treasury and State Department goes back to the turn of the first world war okay and uh so we'll put that in there today and i'll also stick on this interview that i was watching right up till i started listening to andy uh on dr zelenko have you heard him he's the one that uh, i believe that uh, uh oh who's our uh, dr m uh just got all his stuff taken down um from chicago retired uh marcola, marcola interviewed here a while back Okay, uh, and he's a really established, written one of the only peer review uh, articles in in the world on how to treat COVID patients and keep them out of the hospital. And he's talking to a bunch of other Jewish Orthodox doctors, and they're skirting all around this. Okay, and so it's very interesting. I didn't get to hear the whole thing yet, but it uh, it spawned me and spurned me to think about that that we touched on yesterday and i wanted to bring up and those of you who do listen to alex that's something to keep a heads up for this week if he's going to have this guy back and start talking about listen when they're talking about sabbateanism on alex jones the the times they are a changing okay because this has been the biggest one of the biggest uh, kept secrets in the world when I first got into this years ago, I remember we were looking at the Khazars. Those of you who've done any study into this know about the Khazars. If you don't, if you've been in a cave somewhere, uh, K-H-A-Z-A-R, Khazar, you can go look it up and read about it. They were the Turkish mongrel people there in the steppes around the U- where the Ukraine is today, that part of the world. They dominated the main trade routes, the Danube and all those rivers that are so critical to that part of Europe and the traditional over-the-mountain trade routes, and that was how their country made their living. They would prey on the Arab and the Christian trade traders, and when a caravan would come through, they'd swoop down and say, well, are you going to give us 20% or do we get to kill you and take it all? They were slavers and parasites. And they were absolute, just like they were talking about on Andy right before, and they were slavers. That was part of their deal. 
Okay, and then they fought and had a bitter rivalry with a group to the north of them called the Rus, R-U-S-S. And the Rus came down and and broke up the Khazar kingdom and scattered them, and that's the ones that went into Eastern Europe. And virtually all the international bankers are Ashkenazi, is the word they use, Khazar, derivative Jews. Their king thought that the country was so wild it was getting out of hand, and they had no religion, and he wanted to convert the country in mass. And he didn't want to convert it to Christianity or Muslims because then he'd have to cut the percentage on what they took from the trade caravan vans he'd have to give them a break and they had a court advisor who was a sephardic jew and they converted the entire country in mass to judaism okay now this is kind of interesting i've read this i don't know that it's true but it sure makes sense yiddish is hebrew backwards Okay, you know, if you've ever seen a real traditional Jewish ceremony and they're looking at the uh, Talmud, uh, not the Talmud, the, the Torah, the first five, five, ten books of the Bible, whichever it is, and they have that scroll, you know, it's usually a young boy that's doing it and the rabbis there behind him and you see him open the scroll and they got that little thing, a pointer, and it's a hand with a finger, right? And they're reading and the real Orthodox Jews read right to left, but the Khazars, right, and the Khazars read left to right, and I've read that left to right and the Khazars is where Yiddish came from, is Hebrew backwards. Don't know whether it's true or not. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, that's where all these people came from. That's this heritage they've got. They obviously adopted because of their roots and history and mores and all that stuff in their culture they are they motivated over to the sabbatean ideas and sabotai zevi we touched on it yesterday with paget i mentioned it to the audience yesterday i don't know if anybody that wasn't familiar with it went back and looked at it but if you're listening and you're not familiar with this history it is really important for your understanding okay i mean really important and those of us like myself, I was in the movement over 10 years before I ever even heard the word Sabbatean. And I don't think this information ever even came out until Jeff Rents had a guy named Barry Chamish, C-H-A-M-I-S-H, that knew all this somehow and got on Rents. You can go to Rents and put Sabbatean, Sabbatean, Sabbateanism, spelled just like it sounds in his search engine and come up with some of those articles i believe but you can also see part of barry chamish i believe he's dead now uh giving that information to a jewish audience and it's in two places there's a whole video somewhere back there around this title i'm going to give you where it shows pretty much the entire presentation he gave and some of the objections from the jews in the audience actually and him telling just chill out and listen because <laughs> even they didn't know this all right uh and you can go to the robert seffer video that we mentioned yesterday i'll give it again 1666 redemption through sin redemption through through sin 1666 colon redemption through sin and the idea that sabbatee zevi had as he was reading the torah 
was that it says the Messiah will come. Of course, they don't believe Jesus was the Messiah, as we know. They think it's still coming. That's part of what we're going through right now is these Zionists are forcing the issue. Okay, And so they said, well, the the Messiah, the Mishiach, Mish, 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 when they call him Jeff Mishiach, they got a name for it. I hear, Adam, yeah. I, I hear Adam Green talking about it, and they go, well, he's going to come when the world's either all good or all bad. And all right, and and obviously, if it's going to be when it's all good, he ain't coming anytime soon, because these bastards are in the world. Okay, so they opted to go to with their natural tendency and go for the all bad side, and that's where all the Ten Commandments were reversed. Thou shalt not kill became thou shalt kill. Thou shalt not steal became thou shalt steal. I'm pretty sure it was in this movement and this time when the Cold uh, Nidre oath switched. We're right on the verge of that right now. Okay, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and the other is Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur must be the Day of Atonement. Okay, those are the two high holy days for the Jewish bunch, <laughs> whichever, all of them, I guess. Hell, I don't know. You know, you only spend so much time here. Um, but it is very interesting. It's very foundational. And those are the two high holy days. And I believe it was Rosh Hashanah that Ginsburg died on a couple of years ago, wasn't it? She died on one of those days. Okay. The high holy cult of the Ginsburg justice. Or it was announced. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, those two days are coming up. I heard uh, uh, Bo Polney refer to one of them. I think the uh, Jewish New Year, uh, 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 Rosh Hashanah must be that is in september so and the other one's real close they fall pretty close together if you ever go by a reform synagogue non-orthodox synagogue because the orthodox don't walk or drive on sabbath is there a new year on september 11th hmm well i think maybe i don't know it's around it's right around that jeff it sure is uh but uh, regardless if you've ever been around any of these communities the orthodox all live together like they did in the europe in the ghettos for a sense because on the sabbath they can't get into mechanized vehicles right they walk everywhere and then there's strict rules. They can only walk so many miles away from their meat, you know, their house where their home is, etc. Well, if they tie a string. Well, that's what the Pharisees used to do. See, that's how they break and change the rules. That's what they're doing today. They change the rules. Same bunch. All right. But regardless, the point being is the Orthodox all live close to the synagogue in similar neighborhoods because of this restriction on the Sabbath of being able to drive and get mechanized stuff or get too far away from the house or whatever it is. They all congregate around there. Well, the reforms aren't like that. If you go by a reform synagogue, that's where all the where all these creeps hang out. Um, you'll see all the. Rolls Royces and Mercedes and all that stuff parked for blocks. I remember in Atlanta, I'd go buy one coming home. And on those days of the year, you go by, it's just all these luxury cars all around this building. Well, those are the two high holy days. Those Making are the, nice sepulchers. Yes. Those are the two days that, and if you don't know this information, though you've been around here for a while, you do. Uh, the uh, participants in a synagogue, if you choose a synagogue and you find a rabbi that you like, what you're, you're really doing is rabbi shopping, honestly. And so you find one you like and you want to join the congregation. Well, you know, if you're a Christian, you can raise your hand and put your little thing in the plate and they have you fill out some stuff and you remember, right? And that pretty much what I remember. 
I guess it is. Nobody's going to say anything. So it looks a little different over on the other side, especially the Reformed Judaic side. Maybe this way in the Orthodox, and I don't know. But I do know it's this way in the Reform because there's a court case that went to the 11th Circuit on it. Okay? And what happens is if you want to join that synagogue, you and the rabbi cut a deal on how much you're going to pay to be a member of the synagogue. How much you're going to give me for my advice, basically. And so you come to a deal, you actually sign a contract, and the contract you sign and the amount of money that you pay and come to an agreement on determines what seats you sit on for those two days of the year. And the reason they do all that is for those two days of the year to get the best seat in the synagogue. What, Jeff? The shekel shakedown. The shekel shakedown. You know, it's like it's like the old joke. You know, why are synagogues round so they so the Jews can't hide in the corners when they pass the collection plate? Well, they don't pass the collection plate. Okay, they cut a deal with the rabbi, and this case was out of Miami, and there was some kind of a differential and difference they had, and it went all the way up to the Eleventh Circuit. So when Jesus said in the Old Testament, "You always want the finest seats at the synagogue." That's exactly what they're doing, okay? And so what you've got is whoever is the biggest thief in that community that has the most money, however they got it, that can have those seats on those two days that are so coveted by the entire congregation, and they can get in there and go, well, hell, if we can lie and cheat and steal a little bit more, we can get those seats next year. Yeah, they're proud to pride. I mean, come on. You know, where's your incentive here? All right? And what they did around this time of Sabbatai Zevi, evidently, is particularly on this Rosh Hashanah day. Yom Kippur, excuse me. Yom Kippur, I think. Whichever one's the Day of Atonement. I always get them confused. One of them's the New Year, one of them's the Day of Atonement. And it's on the Day of Atonement that they quote this oath called a Kol Nidre. K-O-L, second word, N-I-D-R-E. Go look it up. Go do a search engine. Let's see if Google's got that thing cut off. Okay, the cold needra. Go to SwissCows.com. That <laughs> Padgett turned us on to yesterday. See if Swiss Cows has got the cold needra available. And what they did is they've got this oath, and that's the whole big holy day revolves around them reciting this oath. And in the old days, before Sabbatai Zevi, the cold needra would give them forgiveness for any lies that they'd told in the previous year. And what Sabbatai Zevi and his bunch did was flip it to the lies and the cheating and the stealing they're going to do in the upcoming year. You think that had any impact, do you? Huh? Yeah, maybe. Okay. And that's what they did. They flipped that Kol Nidre oath. It's had a dramatic influence on the world. One little simple thing, one little simple idea from this absolute total creek, Sabbatai Zevi, who declared himself the Jewish Messiah worldwide, by the way, in 1666, pretty appropriate year. So uh, that's a little history there for you if you don't know that and you haven't been exposed to it. If you haven't been exposed to it, I'm sure you're probably sitting there going, holy smokes, what else don't I know? A bunch. Because you got to dig real deep to do it. What I was saying when I first got turned on to the Khazars, it's back in the 90s. 
and I'm reading some some history professor. He was he was some he'd been a history professor for over thirty years at some major university, and somebody turned him onto the Khazars and the history of the Khazars, and he said. I'm a professor emeritus. I've been teaching history over 30 years. I've never seen this information before. Never. That's how well this is hidden. Okay. Uh, we got into a discussion the other day, so it's going to be very interesting to see, like I said, if you can get somebody who's living in the occupied territories, it just kills me, okay, who's living as a land stealer, to get on here and talk about all these other stealers and thieves um that should be real interesting so i'm really hoping alex has him on and somebody didn't get to do and say don't you dare get that information on that platform um integral information for your understanding of what's going on and you're you know the more you understand the more sane you're going to be more sane you're going to be the more reality you got you're living in and that just can't be a bad thing these days um the other day uh we brought up i think daryl came on board and we were talking about cliff high and uh i think it was one of the two interviews that he's done recently either greg hunter or the other guy and he was talking about, and he's very accurate, it's just a little off because he doesn't know what we know, unfortunately. He was talking about how we were declared war on in the 1890s. Well, actually, it was before that. We were declared war on when they found, founded Reform Judaism in 1837 and went on to start the war to enslave the entire world. Maybe 1812 was the beginning. Yeah, probably right, Jeff. And, and uh, part, part of that was uh different reasons okay but regardless it's been going on a long time but what i wanted to ask and this came to me the other night it's something i knew about it's just i'd never really put it in that context before when did they officially declare war on us genesis three fifteen. well I, i'm thinking in the modern Maybe era. later in the yeah. in the modern area era kind of like officially how did they and when did they officially declare war on us? Maybe 1913? A little later, but you're in the ballpark. Well, 20 years later, yeah. Okay. And the way they did it was in 1933. And if you're new, again, and you're looking for background on this and you've got some time to do a little studying, there's a very scholarly and scholastic uh, piece of information put out, gosh, 25 years ago, Matt Moore maybe a little by a veterinarian in uh, on the eastern steppes of colorado there and his name was eugene schroeder and i believe it's called the trading with the enemy act and uh, eugene schroeder went over the bankruptcy and all that kind of stuff did a very scholarly job especially for back in that period of time <coughs> excuse me does anybody remember and remember exactly what I'm talking about here, where they did an official declaration of war? Yeah, they redefined U.S. Yeah. citizen. They took, a, uh, enemy. they took the 1917 Trading with the Enemy Act, where they specifically uh, identified Germans as the enemy, and they reinstituted the Trading with the Enemy Act and switched citizens of the United States for Germans. Yeah. 
That's when that it was, was officially uh, done. The Emergency right Banking there. Act. Yep. Yep. Here's yep. our deal. Yep. It was originally done under the Emergency Banking Act, as you described, as it related to the Germans, and then later under the uh, under the bankruptcy, uh, there was amendments made where United States citizens uh, are basically uh, considered the enemy, and uh, so um, that's they just changed a few words in that. You you had a really good discussion going on there about uh, the perennial adversary, and uh, it was kind of a soliloquy. For people but that it was kind of a soliloquy, yeah. but, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I I've been at it for some time, and uh, I'm very careful about what conclusions I reach, and. For people who are new to this, who are new to the concept and the understanding of who the perennial adversary is and how they've manifested themselves, uh, I, I, uh, of course, I understand, Roger, your eyes are kind of, kind of sketchy on you, but I would really recommend that people, before they go down a whole bunch of rabbit holes on on videos and YouTube and bit shoot and all this other stuff and do a lot of just shooting out there blindly uh, on on browser engines. I'm going to give you a couple recommendations because I've done all that. I've wasted hundreds, if not thousands, of hours, and I have 25 books on these people. Okay, so let me just give you a couple of pointers here to accelerate your learning curve based on historical fact <laughs> and a timeline that will ground you in factual information and not other, other people's opinions. And probably the single best investment you could ever make if you're new to this and you want to invest some real understanding is uh, by Andrew Carrington Hitchcock's book, the synagogue of satan it's been ex updated and expanded uh it's uncensored it has uh it, it's probably probably the sing single finest compilation of relevant uh current information and their history and it's all put in in a linear timeline it mm -hmm. doesn't jump all over the place and I think you it's have not insignificant to. that it's 144,000 words. Yep. The history of the Rothschilds is how he described it this morning when they were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's a, it's a really a magnus opus, and uh, I, I appreciate Andy wrote it or has written it, <laughs> and I wish I had found it uh, six years before I did or, or bought it anyway. So... Uh, I highly recommend Andrew Carrington Hitchcock's The Synagogue of Satan. And then if, if you don't have time for that, <laughs> and you just want to get to, if you're a bottom line kind of person, and, and tell me, uh, integrate the anthropolo anthropology and history of the Synagogue of Satan and how it has manifested itself smack dab in the middle of your life, and 
you only have one book to buy and you want to you want to get the analysis <coughs> with the history <coughs> then i have to recommend that you buy a book called the deliberate destruction of america and the world who's doing it and why by a one dr lorraine day md uh, and she she approaches it from a grand unified theory and analysis and application to the present day and uh interestingly enough her and andy do every friday uh for the last couple months have been doing one chapter at a time so dr lorraine day and andrew carrington hitchcock have teamed up cooperated coordinated uh and blended uh their their knowledge and information into a coherent because i'm, I'm i just really want to I just really want to emphasize this. You can get you can get lost in about thirty seconds on this. Yes, you can. May I, su may I suggest that we not overlook Eli James's book, The Great Impersonation? Okay, I haven't read yeah, that. but so, Eli is uh, Eli's there, the there reason are, this network's on the air, by the way. So yeah. let me just plug Eli. And, and, and Eli, yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't take away from that either. Uh, <clears throat> the thing I the thing I'm trying to recommend here is that I have dozens of books and i wouldn't get rid of any of them because i gained something from all of them but if you're new to this and you want a quick uptake on something that's accurate these are the two or with eli three that i would recommend so uh and, and both uh both andrew carrington hitchcock and dr lorraine day aren't subsidized by um uh, how should I say uh, <laughs> people with an ulterior motive or agenda? Okay, so, it, and uh, one of the reasons we got the full court press on right now is because of books like this out there and the numbers of people that are becoming aware of this information that wasn't available thirty years yeah. ago. Okay, and that me, is what scares me, the the caca out of them. Okay, because they so knew if they waited another what? 10 years, they weren't going to have the opportunity to do this because of the exponential growth of this knowledge and understanding. That's why you're seeing them start this thing early, and that's why they're making mistakes is because they're, as Daryl accurately came on here and said, their timeline has merged with their event line, and they don't have the luxury of being in the back hidden pulling the little strings anymore they're having to get right out front all the information starting to come out about the damage of the vaccine it's getting out there on big platforms people aren't going to get it anymore and they got big problems okay well yes at, at this point go ahead brent was that you brent yeah, it was. If I might circle back to the trading with the Indians circle. Act. But circle back? You trying to be Gene Sajic or whatever her name is? <laughs> uh, we need a little levity. But um, in that uh, amendment, March the 9th, 1933, uh, it might be easily missed as to who the enemy is identified as. And the phrase would be, transactions wholly within the united states there you go 
And, and let me tell no, you now, no. I, 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 when you finish, I got something to add. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah. Yeah. Now, who does transactions wholly within the United States? That gives you your you're garbled. I'm there. done. Okay. U.S. Uh, US citizens. Let me, um, let me yeah. add that this is the reason, and it wasn't my – I wish I could take credit for it, but honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, I can't. It was my shaman buddy that came up with this down in Argentina. He's pretty aware, well aware of these guys, too. And he called them, and we're sitting there having a discussion. He coined the term ferrocyte. Now, I'll tell you who picked that up real quick years ago is Brent Winters, and he uses it all the time, okay? Ferrocyte. And the reason we came up with that term was because we both knew that they are the Pharisees and that they're doing the very exact same thing that the Pharisees did 2,000 years ago that Jesus railed about, except that they're not 2,000 years ago. They're today. They're very much more sophisticated, have incredible amounts of wealth and technology, and they're parasites. And so we combine those two words to ferrocytes because now they can't go hide anywhere. They can't go hide behind the Jews. They can't come out in their nice suits and come mingle with us and hide behind us and say they're white. They can't do any of that crap anymore. They're the Pharisees, and now you can pin the tail straight on the damn ass of the donkey. Okay. Yeah. Well, at this point, at this point where the timeline and the event line converge, going forward, they have to do their own dirty work. Before before they had the ability and throughout history they have cloaked cloaked used a cloaking device they cloaked themselves and a masquerade as one thing while all the while being something else uh, and so uh, why why is this particular topic so important as difficult as it is uh, because if you don't have a working understanding of it uh, you will have a disintegrated understanding and comprehension of how the enemy cloaks itself and who it uses to cloak and then effectuate its uh, agenda. And uh, most importantly is they have to have you do it. They don't have the numbers to do it, so you have to be cast into a spell spell-minded to facilitate their agenda. Uh, Quite simply, you have been indoctrinated into a system where you facilitate your own abuse and participate in it while funding it. And this is because you have a disintegrated uh, uh, education, critical thinking skills, deductive reasoning abilities, access to real information, and so your, your perception has been managed, and this is all for the process of manufacturing consent. This is a summation of the objectives of propaganda. Uh, so this is why you have, um, you have Christians who are not Christian. Uh, you have uh, patriots who are uh, their efforts and energies and emotions and beliefs and applications are not patriotic. Their patriotism has been defined for them by the enemy. So, in fact, they participate for 
and it this has been going on for uh, since the Civil War. Okay, this this very idea I'm just I'm I'm laying out to you here. This is why this is so important. This is this is why even people who write books like uh, Dr. Lorraine Day, uh, uh, phenomenal women like uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, and any number of people who are brilliant in their specific understandings are still not quite getting to the remedies because they don't understand actually a lot of the information that's talked about here. They have a part and they have an important part of it but until you have an integrated understanding of not only what this conversation is about today but what we normally talk about here until you integrate these these two to bring them together you will be you will be played you will lose the game and uh, so <clears throat> I, I just really want to recommend both their books and uh, so I mean you know look for example uh, we have people uh, well let me, you know, Brent's not here to defend it himself, not that I'm going to attack him, but when I listen to Brent talk about his comprehension of history over the last, uh, uh, well, since the Civil War, I sometimes cringe. I, I, I cringe. And why do I do that? Because he has accepted and internalized the propaganda and the narrative of the people who wrote that history in the context that they wanted to be exported into the minds generationally and culturally. Amen. Okay. And it happens all the time. Yes. And I love them to death. But and I love them all to death. But uh, it doesn't take too much rat poison. Listen, Roger said on here one day, and we'll give you credit for that, Roger, because, well, uh, it's I, I've never heard a better example and uh, uh, a metaphor. Why does a rat eat rat poison? Well, because he thinks it's food. He thinks it's real. He thinks it's good for him and, or her, and they eat it. And there's only about one and a half percent arsenic in that, uh, and it kills them. And so, if if a if a Glenn Beck or um, Alex Jones or anybody else, a Rush Limbaugh or anybody else, is feeding you ninety percent of the truth and leaving 10% out or dissolving it with 2% of the poison, it has the same effect. you got to be careful. Okay. you got to be very careful. And uh, because they, you, you also have to understand that anybody who's making six or seven figures income salary off of uh, saying that they're a Christian or a patriot, you need to be very looked at them with a very critical and cynical and objective eye, and do not, do not jump to conclusions, uh, because these people play a very long-term oh, they do. game. They Their play game the long game. They're long is, game people. It's an understatement. They're willing to plant understatement. Yes, they're, they're, I, I I do that on occasion. I overstate and I understate. So if if you look at the long-term game of the Z British Zionist plan, it goes all the way back to Cyrus Schoolfield, where uh, 
and uh, John Darby where they're still reaping great rewards because 90% of the Christian people, I would estimate, are still out of the game. Yep. How effective has that neutered. been? They're neutered. That is a very long game. They took them okay. to the gelding so, stable right. and gelded them. Well, I mean, all you have to do is look around and see the effeminized and castrated uh, male so population of this country. Uh, so, uh, the, I thought, uh, go I ahead. Thought, I thought somebody wanted to say something. I think, well, Dan, did you have your mic off? There's that our buddy Dan from the coast. And, and did somebody have something they wanted to add or say or inject? Yeah, I was about to ask for the, because uh, obviously Amazon you can't get either of those books there, so someone posted in the uh, comments, so I got the links to those two books. Okay. SynagogueToSatan.com yeah. is the one I hear Andy give that website out, and I don't – Dr. Day, you can probably put Dr. Lorraine Day and 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 put it in SwissCows.com, by the way, and I'll bet you it'll pop up somewhere. Also, yeah. they're on the hour. Well, let me tell was you. That, Dan, was that you, Dan, who's asking that question? Yes. Okay. Let, let me tell you. Uh, they're on the hour. Andy's on the hour before us. So, and he uh, okay. often promotes that. So just tune in an hour earlier and you'll pick up some of that from his mouth. And he's got that great English accent. And he was a former cop, by the way. Go ahead, Daryl. Yeah. Let me let me tell you where you can uh, get uh, Dr. Lorraine Day's book. Uh, you can go, you can buy it directly through her website. And I would highly recommend you do this. And as a matter of fact, when you buy it, I would, when you go to her website, you can get the phone number and call her or her assistant directly. You can call her. This is how I ordered my copy. I called, I called, and I did it the old-fashioned way over the phone, and I talked to her. Now, she's currently, I think, out of uh, current copies, but she has another big batch that's being uh, published. So her website is www.dr. D-A-Y.com. Yeah, pretty easy. Any chance so those are in the, do Any chance those are in the Say again. Dan, go ahead. Yeah. You got a little bit of an echo problem in where you are, but go ahead and repeat that if you would. Any chance those are in PDF because uh, getting it to Ecuador is Pony Express. Yeah. <laughs> If you're lucky. I, I, I can't understand that. <laughs> he said, is yeah. there any chance that it's a PDF because getting stuff to Ecuador is Pony Express? And I added, if you're lucky. Well, thanks to Myrtle. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, um, and uh, I, I, have to, I have to tell you more, a little more about this book. If you've ever, and I'm sure everybody here has, purchased a ream of paper to put in your printer, that's what this is. It's oh. a ream of paper. It is. Let me tell you. I'm gonna. I'm thumbing through it. It's um, eight hundred and four or five pages. No, it's two. Okay. Ream. It's two it's reams. A full of, ream of paper. No, it's two reams. That's about five hundred in a ream. And, and it's it's printed on either side, and the it's full size pages, and it's in big. Big print, so even old blind Whoa, people like me. can read it. Yeah, and it it covers the entire gamut, the entire range, and it has a. Um, 
I, I don't want to say uh, exclusively by any means, but it has an American-centric political and geopolitical context to mo a lot of its information, and it covers every aspect of the assault and the plan uh, against uh, the society, and it, it breaks down it breaks down each generational aspect of history. And what's been done to your your fathers and your grandfathers and their fathers, and how they have moved this plan forward. It's it's very. If you're looking for the grand unified theory, uh, Dr. Lorraine Day has probably uh, constructed the uh, uh, magnus opus on this. And, uh, quite a gal yeah, she is. Uh, quite. A, let me tell you yeah, what's going and, on uh, here. Here's what's going on. And I saw this with the guy that took a camera into the Bronx or Brooklyn up there, which are heavily orthodox, and went and interviewed a whole bunch of them. Okay? And some of the orthodox rabbis were saying this. They said, well, the Torah, not the Talmud, the Torah tells us if we pray three times a day and do everything right, the, the Misha, the Messiah will come. Okay? Well, what the Reform and the Rothschilds did was to say, we ain't doing that and waiting. We're going to cause it and bring it on ourselves. And basically, that's the switch right now that we're living in. And that's what they're trying to do right now is get all of the countries with no borders, everything unified in a one-world government so they can appoint somebody that he's the ultimate lawgiver and he's going to manage everything and there ain't going to be no boards or anything else. It's him. That's what they're striving for and shooting for, and that's this schism that we're going through right now. Okay, you want to put it down in street language? That's what's happening. They're forcing the, their Messiah to come back. That's why they've gone back and drug out the six million from some of their old verses and brought that forward. If you don't know, they were quoting six million in World War One in the New York Times. Okay. So they've structured what their books say to perform this to force the Messiah to come. That's what's going on. That's what Reform Judaism is. Best I've been able to put together. Yeah, well, that's that's a that's a reasonable uh, summation, Roger. Uh, the there are there are literally scores uh, at the, at the at the uh, occulted and orchestrating level. Uh, I think you have a made a made a really good case, um, and, and not taking anything away from that because these this is not a one dimensional uh, construct here. Um, from from the occulted leadership levels of this that are are um, thousands of years old. By the way, you have people. Uh, entities, I could call. I guess we could call them entities, couldn't we? That uh, are uh, don't even ascribe to being Jewish, but work for the Kabbalist Jewish agenda. Oh, the Don consciously. How about the Don Some well, well, not not even that. I'm talking about Gentiles <laughs> right at the moment. Oh, sure. Okay, well, you yeah. have Gentiles. You have Gentiles that are fully integrated and on board with uh, subsidizing, facilitating, and act and actualizing the very agenda of the occulted uh, reformed Judaist uh, British Zionist uh, operation and plan. You uh, they're, they're fully integrated into the system and have accepted it as custom and usage and normalcy 
into their culture because culture has been changed every 20 years at the very least. Yeah, the lucre so, uh, this is The what, this, Jeff? This is a fully... The lucre it, lovers. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean... I, I'm trying to I'm trying to you know do a a uh, sort of a, an anthropological understanding of how this works instead of just blasting out time states and places. This is how transition happens. It's being done before your very eyes at this very moment. Sure is. It, and okay, you are living in the exact moment of the synthesis. You are experiencing synthesis at this very moment, okay? And this is what has all the Gentiles uh, looking around like deer in the headlights, okay? Because they don't get it. And, and it's painful. The synthesis is adding the third rail to the triangle trap. Well, uh, at, at the moment, synthesis becomes complete, which is they reach their objective and normalcy is brought forward. This is they're trying to work this into the period of normalizing. Okay, this is the period of normalizing. As soon as that is accomplished, they create, they create another thesis, antithesis towards another synthesis, and the synthesis they want to move this into. Okay, okay. will be. Uh, well, I'll tell you what the antithesis and the thesis is that they're trying to move this into. Okay, once they've normalized, it will be the human versus the uh, cyborg. Yeah. Okay, the yeah. transhuman. Mm -hmm. This will be the human versus the transhuman to move it in to the cyborg. All right. This is this is where this is going. Okay, and and they want to accomplish this by 2050. Completely integrated by 2050, okay, and and so they they do have they do have timelines that they're trying to hit right now, and this is why they have to push so hard. They want they want this gentile goy human problem of fertility, uh, sterility, and euthanization wrapped up by 2025 and perfected collateral they don't want any of you people that hadn't had this vaccine yeah. that have filed this affidavit and ain't going to take the vaccine and now you're out of their clutches well the perfecting perfecting collateral is just an intermediate intermediary step to accomplish uh, uh the next part of the uh, of the uh thesis antithesis synthesis by, by so you have to you have to kind of really get this if you're if you if you're thinking in the generalized idea that that the future is going to be something that is similar uh, based upon your uh, thinking in the past your your generally accepted principles. This is not about expanding economy. This is a destruction of economy mm -hmm. because there's going to be a depopulation. They are not investing in infrastructure and expanding economies based upon a growth model. This is a business plan based upon a destruction model and a reduction model. Okay? You have to if you don't if you don't get that part of this, everything else that you're seeing around you will perpetually confuse you. All right, you will be perpetually confused because you 
have been in, ingrained, conditioned, and lived throughout a t- entire lifetime based upon the false precepts of how they've managed a monopoly economy on a growth model for them. Okay? This is a depopulation business model. Mm-hmm. And, and they will use perfected collateral as in your injection, your shot, your consent, your contract, whatever my means they accomplish it, but it's integrated with technology and the blockchain. And <clears throat> this will uh, result in uh, their complete control over you and the people that uh, as perfected collateral. And this will, this will provide for them the foundation and absolute control and effect they need to reach their 2030 goals. Once, once they move into the, the real cyborg range of transhumanism and to create a new creature, okay, they won't even need collateral. They, they, will, they, they won't need that. They will, they will already have accomplished what they needed because they don't need money. Okay, you don't need money then. Okay, money will be a thing of the past when this, when their grand plan is completed. Yeah, money will no, be around if their grand plan is completed. Well, not uh, when. Oh, okay, well you can you can say that you know, but it uh, and in the so I'm just trying to lay out to you. I I do understand this. Okay, I <laughs> and and I give all credit to our uh, God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ because I I don't I. I'm just I'm just a guy, but I do have I understand this. Okay, um, uh, there are eleven. Uh, and and, and that is that that comes from Roger. I want to make this point okay, clear. That ahead. comes from him and not me. His yep. he they get the credit. I don't. Right. A guidance. Okay? See, we and, all receive this community, guidance. This community, yeah, yeah. This community has to get over itself. Okay, okay. This community really needs to get over itself because uh, if you listen, I want to. I just want to tell on with something Dr. Raphael Johnson said. This community fights within itself sure. because of their egos, well, and they want to be right. Well, God said, and they want stiff, credit. He said we're a and they, they have people. to get over it. You know, yeah. I, I they, thought Andy. So they have to get over it. I thought Andy made a really salient point on exactly what you're talking about today. If you listen to that show with the guy from Russ Journal on, who I've heard several times, I really like, and I don't remember his name. But he was saying before the alt community used to fight all the time, and now they're coming together more. And 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 I, I think that's a very important point, okay? And, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of differences in the past, but uh, now we need to do what they do, which is they got differences too, but they all work towards a goal, okay? Um, we've spent about an hour and 15 minutes i just meant to open this up today and and tell people to look out for alex and to know about this information it's very important on your total understanding we're here to see about your freedom was there anything that anybody we got a nice full board 25 people here active on the board this morning anybody that had a question or a, a, a comment on what we've covered for an hour and 15 minutes or if you want to transition over into the freedom side we can do that too so I wanted to open that up for anybody right now, and somebody's got their mute off, ready to go. So hit it. Hey, hi, Roger. It's Dell. Hey, Dell. Oh, good, Dell. Hey, too. Good, good to see you again, bro. You too. How are you? Good. So, uh, like I said the other day, I want to 
I'm switching over to freedom. Uh, so uh, I want to write up a, a witness like affidavit. And basically, I want to word it maybe simply like uh, I swear on the penalty of perjury something that this is uh, Adele, you know, that I've known him for whatever amount of years. Is that good enough as proof? Well, it can be. You know, uh, you, a lot of witnesses. Witnesses, basically, I think if you get two, is it two of them that serve suffice as the same as a notary? Okay. Um, and, okay, and, is it, it is two? Yes. And, and, and you can even do things like have them put their thumbprints down there next to their signature, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Okay. Or any ID they may have. I liked what Harvey did. And because of Harvey, and I know him, and I know uh, how he is, and so they said send six more pieces of ID, and he's going to send them probably 60, okay? And I thought what he did was go to a printer, I thought it was very good, and take the picture that he's going to include in his passport application, have him print with the picture on the page, not just sticking it on with glue, and then the I blank so-and-so have known blank since so blank you know and then they sign it okay and then he i guess with with a lot of family members he had it notarized you could also go with the two witnesses on that if there's two people around and they sign it witness witness and put their uh, thumbprint to the side it'll work okay so i missed that but you print the ID picture you that take, you're going to pass that, Well, that's what Harvey did. I'm just telling you this is the way he approached it, okay? Mm-hmm. And he went, he had a friend as a printer. He got the picture. He said, print me some paper with this picture on it, mm-hmm. okay? So it's printed on the paper that they're attesting to knowing him from who it is, from uh, when, and how many years, and then they witness it, and you have people that witness it on the side of their signature, and you ought to be all right there, you know? Okay. Now, first of all, before you go into doing that, just send them what they're looking for and see if it doesn't come go through that way. And if you need to do it this way, because they're going to send you one of these. Now, keep in mind, Dell, I've been doing this over 10 years. There's only been three people in that whole period of time when they've requested this additional ID stuff. Oh, I see. This isn't okay. with everybody. It just I was kind of shocked when they did it to Harvey. Okay. Mm-hmm. But because right. he sent in his old expired passport from the Marine from his Marine days. Okay. And I got to send my old expired passport too, right? Well, I'm it depends. Do- it depends occasionally on if you've still got it and how long ago it expired. Yeah. Well, it's, I forget. It expired like over 15 years ago. Okay. Well, if you've still got it, you can just send it to them on a whim and include it in there. I think if it's 15 years old, they probably wouldn't ask you to. But if you want to, you could use that as additional ID. Yeah. I mean, it does ask you on the application if you had you previously had a passport. Yes. And, uh, oh, yeah. And Boy, don't lie on that. Years. Don't ever yeah, lie no, on anything not. you answer. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I didn't. I I wrote down everything, you know, to the best of my knowledge, everything yeah. that's true, and uh, that's how I'm going to submit. Now, now you're in New York, right? No, I'm in Massachusetts. Okay. Well, you're, oh, you're up there around Boston. There's probably a passport office in Boston. If you want to go do it personally, you can probably go do it personally there. Uh, well, I was going to go through. There's one here. I'm actually up in, in the Worcester area. Okay. Okay. Well, look, so you, might, I'm just saying if you're close to a major city, they will have actual passport 
annexes, offices where you can go talk to a live person. Because I know there's one in Atlanta. If there's one in Atlanta, I guarantee you there's one in Boston. Boston, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll go that route. But you don't have it. to if you don't want to take a trip down to the Big B, and you can just go to the post office. you got to make an appointment now these days, I'm told. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you do. Make an appointment, go down there, and when y'all are doing this, why don't you ask, if you would, for me, so we can find mm-hmm. out, ask the administrating officer there, have you had a lot of people filing these with attachments? Okay. I will do that. Now, I can tell you a funny story that happened with one of our black guys. This was about five years ago, and we got into a whole nest of black guys up in the Carolinas. I think there's like 20-something of them that were all in there studying the tax situation. And somebody brought my stuff in and dumped it in there, and it spread like wildfire through a bunch of those communities that were connected. And there was one guy that called in. Is that that your funny pillar or what? Uh, One guy that called in there, and his name, I even remember his name, actually, Eric Cade. Really, really, really sharp black guy. Okay, So he hears about it. He calls into the show, and he used to be a mortgage banker. Okay, And he said, I was sitting there one day talking to my friend that worked at a closing, uh, a lawyer's closing, you know, and a real estate attorney's closing thing. Mm-hmm. And she is getting all of the mortgages that they've closed that day ready. Okay. And he's sitting there talking to her because he knew her. And he said she's turning over every mortgage and stamping it with an endorsement stamp. And he goes, he goes, what are you doing over there? Every one of them endorsed to the deposit to the Federal Reserve. Bam, bam, bam. Wow. Okay. So that's how he got turned on. He found out about this, and he was in he was in uh, Baltimore, I think, someplace really close to D.C. And so he could catch a train and go right into D.C. And they've got a obviously State Department's got a passport office right there, right? So he takes the passport application and he circles on the oath non-citizen national you do not want to deface federal forms period and so he goes to the office the desk right there the guy and turns it in he said i can't accept that you've defaced the form well now he thinks that his passport application has been rejected so he calls up the show the next day. Oh, no, they didn't take it. Nah, nah, nah. So I get the story out of him. I said, you defaced the form, man. Oh, oh. So now he goes back down the next day, and there's a black girl there, a the clerk, different clerk, and he tells her the story, and she grabs the form and circles non-citizen national says, here, honey, I'll do that for you, <laughs> and turns it in. But you can't do it. Okay? So that's funny. That actually happened. Uh, but you don't want to deface any forms. And if you guys are going and making appointments with these folks, ask them. Is, have there been very many people uh, submitting applications with a addendum attached? A declaration? So, Dell, what other questions you got, buddy? I'm really glad you, Lewis, sent me an email this morning. I sent him back, your buddy Lewis, some stuff. And uh, I'm glad to see uh, a couple of you guys up there in the Northeast. You know, that part of the country is not usually identified with a bunch of freedom seekers these days. 
Yeah, I'm here too, uh, Roger. Uh, is that you, Lewis? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. on the call. Okay, good. You got the you got the email I returned to you, right? I did. Thank okay, you. I got it, and I've been reading. Okay, good deal. <laughs> well, you're some... right about this area. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you know. Brent was up there for the first time and uh, a couple of years ago, and he went on one of the tours, you know, where they take you to the old church in Boston and the graveyard and all that stuff. And he said the gal running the tour was running down the founders like unbelievably. He actually stopped and confronted her and walked off. Okay. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 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 Never been yeah. up there myself, but uh, maybe one of these days. I doubt it, but maybe. I mean, uh, it, it, it is it is a beautiful part of the country, but uh, you know, it's 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 also it, it, it's tough when you when you think along these lines. Well, sure. you know, you got a, you got something that may be unfolding for you up there that could be very positive in the fact that your state is so damned le- liberal to the left, and a lot of these idiots have gone and gotten the jab, and you may be rid of a whole bunch of them here shortly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's sad, but true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad but true. Oh, so. you know, it's it's so it's it's amazing. You, you know, you try to talk to people and you say, you know, you know, what is your thinking? Like, what, why would you why would you do it? Like, you don't know anything. If you read what they present to you before you actually do it, why would you why would you let them inject that into your body? You don't know anything about it, and it's giving you all the warnings. And you put your wet signature on it, giving them permission. What's wrong with you? Ninety nine percent of the people I ask about it. I say, did you ask any questions about what was in it? No, they just rolled up their sleeves and they just went for it. And you you wonder why they call us Goyam, huh? Right, exactly. 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 uh, Hey, Roger. Yeah. Is that Doug? Man, how'd that camera come on? I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. It shows that it's off here. Anyway, what I wanted to mention, brother, and hi to everybody. As when I did my uh, application for a passport, uh, what happened was I brought my canceled passport in. I had my birth certificate and other things. And the agent there said all I needed was the canceled passport. I didn't need any other uh, identification. Huh. Well, then Harvey sends his in and it's canceled. It's not. Well, you're, you say canceled. Is it punched or is it just out of date? Expired. Expired. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Well, which one is it? Canceled or expired? Expired. Okay. Because the reason I say that is if you send it in, when they send it back to you, it'll be canceled because it'll have holes punched in it. Exactly. Yeah, mine doesn't have holes. Okay. Well, it will. It will when you see it next time. Roger. Yes. Um, I had a way, way past expired. Yes. Way, way past expired passport, and I sent it in. I I wasn't. I was thinking I wasn't even going to get it back. They sent it back, and it had no holes in it. Now, really? Maybe it's just the recently expired ones that they put the holes in. It could be. But, you know, I, I had a friend, uh, Stuart. I've had Stuart on the show a couple times in the old days. We lived in Argentina together. Very big Christian guy. Very interesting guy, actually. And his daddy was a diplomat. They were from San Francisco, and they were real liberal. How he came out 
unliberal is amazing but regardless he did and when his father died he went back and got all of his uh, you know belongings and settled up the estate and stuff and he came back with his 1940 something passport and it had a green cover okay so if you hear anything about different color covers and i i have over the years uh but this one is the only one i've ever seen that had a green actual green cover it may have been because he was in the diplomatic service i don't know but the verbiage inside was exactly the same from the 40s to the one i had okay so now what that tells you even though it's not the passport per se when they've gone in and changed the oath because of what we've been teaching here in the last 10 years, which they have, to cover their little guilty asses, okay? It shows you how significant this information is to them, and it shows you that they followed the rules, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It seems that way. Okay. I mean, they're so all-powerful, why would they go in and change the oath because of what we're teaching here on this little radio program? Uh, Roger, can I just interject and, and ask that uh, um, I'm a little behind the gate on, on the, the passport situation. I, I do have a valid passport. Would Doesn't I matter. be submitting? Uh, would I be submitting that? They'd be canceling. No. Well, no, no, they're going to ask you. If you've got a valid one, they definitely want you to send it in. Okay. Okay. They won't cancel it because you've paid for it and it's still within the 10 year range. Okay. But they'll send it back to you virtually in return mail. Is my experience from other people because you may want to take a trip or need it. So it's still active. You've paid for it. They're going to shoot it back to you real quick. They're going to process your new one and they're going to send you that one in however long it takes to process it and get it to you. Now, let me, for those of you who are submitting this, when you go to, and it may be on travelstate.gov, I'm not sure, but ask the administrating official or call the 800 number and they'll give you the information of the State Department. While it's in process, you can go on the internet and check where it is in its process. Did you know that? I did not know that. Okay. No. You can so, track it. Yep, you can track it. And when you go and track it, they have little verbiages and stuff in there. Because one of our gals did this and sent it to me. She called me and told me what was on there. She said, please take a snip of that and send it to me. They actually refer to your affidavit internally at the State Department as citizenship evidence. So my question to you, do you think the attorneys at the State Department are imputing the proper definition into the word evidence when they use it internally? Yeah. Okay. So you tell me they're lawless? Sure looks like they got rules that they follow pretty much to the T to me. The reason they're lawless is because you don't have the expanded mental capacity, knowledge, and understanding to understand how you've given them the permission to be lawless upon you. Yeah. Well, maybe Dell and I can take a trip into the Boston office. Well, there you go. You can, you know, go down and see him. Tom, when Tom was having all his problems, he went down there to Atlanta. I don't think he got the problem straightened out, but he went down there, got with a supervisor and whatever. Said, we don't hear from Tom anymore, so I don't know what all has happened with all that. And it's a mess. You know, you know, he's like Chris's situation. I told you with our our recently departed buddy, Chris, I could turn the show over to for 
to, for two hours and say, Chris, give him the background on your situation, and he couldn't cover it all in two hours. Okay? And Tom's pretty much the same way. So any other questions? I'm real glad to have you guys on there, you new guys, too, by the way. Was that you, Doug? Yeah, yeah. I was just – I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't – I don't remember the name of uh, the person you're speaking with. Adele and Lewis. Dell and Lewis. Hey, and, uh, you, can you tell he's from up there around where you guys are from? Well, that's what I was going to say uh, to Dell and Lewis. Uh, I was born in New Bedford, <laughs> Massachusetts, and I drove my car to Arkansas, and I parked it in my yard. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we've heard it all. Yeah, we've heard it many times. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, uh, nice to meet you. And now he yells, "Suey pig." So any of the yeah, other, I any, haven't done that yet. <laughs> any of the other uh, other new folks who've got some questions? Because that we're really here for you. You know, all this stuff's for you and everybody else. You can't hear it enough, but it's your freedom that all of us are concerned with at the moment. Roger, this is Meg. Hey, Meg. And, hi. Um, my passport is also still valid until mm-hmm. 2027, and right. I am going to do the passport. I'm not going to do the car. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it direct passport. But I'm just, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but do, will when I send this in, will I owe them a new photo of myself, or they're just going to take the one that I already No, no, no. You, you're going to have just like it's a whole new application. Okay. It's a card, too, anyway. Yeah, I and again, I you don't have to... You, Unless you're going to travel internationally, you don't need the passport book, and that's what costs you $140, I think. Well, you want something in your wallet so that you're not dragging your passbook around that could be stolen. I'm going to tell you what. If you've ever had a passport stolen, man, it's no fun. And I don't take mine out unless it's one of those places where they expressly have to see a passport. That's right. You're SOL without it. Uh, well, what I did do was I got when I got my uh, temporary visa here in Ecuador, I went to a little print shop and I got the temporary visa on one side and the front and the picture page of my passport on the other side and had them laminated. Okay, so I don't if they okay you got a passport. Well, how about this? Unless they need the real passport, that suffices. And like I said, if you've ever had it stolen and you got to go back through that process, man, you just don't know what a pain in the butt that is. So do I? uh, Can I ask for both the the updated passport and the card? Well, you're just paying for a new passport. Sure, you can get both of them. Yeah. But what we've just learned, and I mean recently six months a little over is you don't have to get the book you can just pay them thirty dollars and get a card and if you're not traveling internationally you don't need the book except for visa stamps and i dare say there's not going to be a whole plethora of international travel going forward So up to you, however you want to handle it. But that's that's the way. And I think most people now, uh, especially with all these other situations and circumstances, are probably just paying 30 bucks and getting a card. But you do whatever you want, sweetie. Okay. And that's what you show the LEO on the side of the road. Yep. Yep. 
That's uh, I miss James hanging around. I wish we still had him coming along here. He he really was a a good uh, uh, contribution to our forum, and I miss him. So anyway, James, hope you're doing good. What other questions can we entertain from some of you fine folks? Come on, uh, Roger. I'll tell you that um, I did the uh, I applied and paid for both the passport and the card. And it was one forty. Okay, so it's for both one forty. That's what it was. Okay. And then there was like a fifty dollar. I think it was a charge from the post office. There was a, a fifty. <laughs> Your kid? Oh, they're putting a fifty dollar post office charge on there now. What the hell yeah. is that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, or did you expedite it? No, I didn't expedite it because when I saw what it was, I thought, well. Yeah, I'm in no hurry. I'll just wait. Okay. If now, I haven't checked. I, I haven't checked with uh, what is it uh, to check the progress of it. And um, I, I don't know the website. You can call the 800 number, or you might can go to travel.state.gov and put yeah. passport application progress. It might show up in the search engine. I don't know. I do know this: if you're gonna pay extra to expedite it, and some folks are just chomping at the bit and want to do that, okay. If you're going to do that, put a travel date on there. They got spaces on the expedition part for a travel date. If you pay to expedite it, and it's what, 35 40 50 bucks, something? Yeah, something I think like. it's $35. Okay, if it's $35 to expedite it, and you don't put travel dates in those spaces, they will put your application at the bottom of the pile. If you've got dates on it, they put your application on the top of the pile for what it's worth. Roger. Yes. Uh, I got a couple more questions. Oh, well, Dale, bring them on, bro. We're here for you. All man. right. The, the first one. Okay. Since your passport doesn't, it, they don't, it doesn't appear different than anybody else's passport. Nope. And let's say you're going to open up an account, and 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 uh, I think I believe that the IRS can't um, an, an account, go into that account. An account where? What kind of an a account? Bank, a bank account. Okay. So that, I, from what I understand, they're not the IRS won't be able to look into your account, or you know how you could take a certain amount of money, and after that, certain amount. Uh, it's reported to the IRS. If they can't see that on your ID or passport ID, then how are they going to know? Oh, don't worry. They can look in the back office and see. The, so it'll you appear on there. What you can't see is what somebody that looks at that stuff with the proper position or with a top security clearance does see. Okay. Okay. Now, this is something you may want to try, Dell. Mm-hmm. When you go in to open up the account, you don't have to show them the passport. All you okay. have to give them is a copy of your affidavit. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Now, if they refuse to open you an account, you got a pretty nice discrimination lawsuit piling up there you can pursue. Okay. See, what happens when you open up an account? And you're, you don't give them an affidavit, okay? 
You can give them your social security number. That doesn't make any difference. It's not a nexus, all that stuff. But you want to give them, I think, if you want, give them a copy of the affidavit. Normally, if you don't, they have you sign that little signature card. I see. You know? And, and what the signature card says is I, I, I adhere to all the rules and regulations, et cetera, et cetera. And if you want to say, could you bring those out here where I could look at them, please? Mm-hmm. They'll bring you out a wheelbarrow full of books. <laughs> all right. Okay. And my second, which is I completely forgot what my second question is. Well, that's okay. Uh, we can, it'll come back to you. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, somebody else has no doubt got a question while you're searching for it, unless you got something okay. else on the tip of your tongue. No, when I when I think of it, I'll I'll, I'll come back in. Okay, okay. Hey, Roger. Yes, was that Doug? Yeah. Yep. Again. Yeah, I'm back. Oh man. All right. Listen, I have an interesting story. I have a, had a guy working for me, and he had a fiance who's a hundred percent Irish, and she's a. Uh, virologist working here in Arkansas and she went into I think it was Walgreens to buy something and they they asked her for her ID and when the lady when the clerk whatever looked at her passport she denied her service so uh, this girl called and she's a specialist um, there was a situation that came up where um, the, a cleaning guy in this laboratory came in and he contaminated something and she was the only one that could go in there and reset everything. So she's uh, um, she has priority over this. Well, so while she's there, she calls whoever. I don't know if it was the State Department or whomever. And... Uh, <laughs> she said, hey, what's the deal here? Uh, they're denying me service here, saying my passport is not uh, valid. And, of course, that's not true because just like when we have a passport that enables us kind of ambassador, um, whatever, courier status, they these countries reciprocate. And while she was there, Within minutes, the girl was called into the office, the clerk, and she was fired on the spot. The girl that wouldn't let her in there was questioning her? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. She was fired on the spot. and she. Well, anybody that sees an active passport and says it isn't any good ought to be fired, I think. Sounds like. Well, it's, the thing is it's reciprocal um, with the countries, you know, that are that deal with one another. So that's an interesting little twist there. Okay. Uh, Del, did you get your question back yet, bud? Guess not. Uh, I was happy to see Dan on earlier. I think it's Dan from our, our buddy who's down there on the coast who I had to get the pleasure, distinct pleasure of meeting and sharing a meal with here recently. Um, I think we got another Ecuadorian guy. Jack keeps telling me Scott's going to join us. I see a Scott on there. Maybe Scott. Hope you're along. If you got any questions, Scott, we're certainly open to addressing anything that any of y'all bring to the table here. We may not be able to answer all of them. I don't have all the answers because 
we know what I've gone through personally experienced, and we know what some of you guys have gone through, and everybody has different circumstances and conditions in their life and on some of these different things. I had a question yesterday, and we should talk about this a little bit maybe, on commercial driver's licenses. Okay? The guys that haul freight, either long or like our buddy Terrence, uh, they're in the uh, local Naples area in South Florida. Um, you know, you got to go get a special type of driver's license. It's called a CDL or a commercial driver's license to be able to drive those rigs and do that. And so they're wondering about how this interferes with their status. Well, you know, the only thing I can tell you is when you're in that activity, you are in commerce. Okay. But let's use this example. Terrence drives around Naples and delivers whatever it is he delivers. And then when he goes back to the depot and he parks the truck and he gets out and gets in his private conveyance, he's not in commerce anymore. He's driving home in his private conveyance because he's not hauling goods or people for hire. So there's where you can wear both hats. And I don't think that just because you get a CDL and you have to be a citizen of the United States or a resident because they require you to fall under the regulations because you're in commerce. Okay. And so uh, I think that's important for people. And we had at least one and maybe two people that were in that situation. And one guy, I think, that came from Brent's and Thumper's uh, uh, meetings this weekend or appearances and was saying the state of Maryland isn't wanting to issue him one. So I couldn't get into it. I put him in touch with Terrence, and hopefully those guys are hammering some stuff out. But that's a situation where you're going to wear both hats. And while you're working, you're going to be in that situation that you volunteer into because it's your job and you want to feed your family. But when you park the rig and get in the car and go home, you're not in that situation anymore. So there's a real good case of the two separate statuses working together. It doesn't mean if you file the affidavit that you can't contract with the federal government still, because you can. So security is a perfect example, okay? Because there's no nexus in the Social Security number. You don't have a Social Security number. You have an account with Social Security that they identify with a number. It's their number, not yours. So just a couple of things that were on the top of my head there. What else can we address? Is Paget with us today? Was she able to come back two days in a row? Hey, Roger. Yeah, who we got there? <clears throat> this is Scott. Hey, Scott. Good to hear you, man. Hey, how you doing? Good. What what what's it? What little enclave are you close to down there on the coast? I am in Olona. Okay, right close to Olona. Okay, so never even heard of it. Well, <laughs> it's just up the road about five minutes from uh montanita okay okay so it's like the suburbs montanita is the party town and uh, if you're older you live in alone and you go to montanita <laughs> once in a while to get your young man game on <laughs> <laughs> and you're uh and uh, you're a friend of jack's and jack has turned john and you're on our forum on telegram and glad to have you he said you'd be dropping by so thanks for injecting there can we answer any questions for you scott nice to me mucho gusto by the way yeah mucho gusto mi amigo uh, <laughs> yeah i know he's he's been trying to get me on on the show to, for a long time but uh i used to live in salinas and then uh 
my mornings were always full so i just never really had a chance to really sit in and uh enjoy your show and so he <clears throat> got my attention with the uh, what you were you know had been talking about with uh, becoming a national and actually becoming a free human being and uh that really has got my interest up um and the more i've i've listened to you i guess two or three times this past couple of weeks so I'm, I'm getting more informed about this but <clears throat> my question is like for those of us that are here from the states with an active passport and a residency stamp and our u.s passport uh, what would be the initial steps towards um, uh, uh, doing this? What what I what you may want to do is you could you you don't have to have it this with a passport application. Okay, it's just that now, especially in these days and times, for people not in our situation here in Ecuador, but in the states, it's real good to have an ID that's tied to that affidavit. Okay. Because uh-huh. otherwise, you're just going, hey, I got this paper on file up there at the Secretary of State, and I'm a national. Of course, they got rep- they got to recognize what you tell them, okay? Uh-huh. So, uh, but it, for people out there that may be, you know, living under a bridge or in your car or something, this may apply too. In the feudal system, which is what we're in, they didn't require you to go get a passport to volunteer out. All you had to do was go to the Lord of the Manor because he's the one that the contract was made with and tell him you're out of there. Now, there was one stipulation. I went back and asked John about this when he was still alive. I said, was there any contingencies on volunteering out? And he said, only if there was consideration given initially. Now, what that means legally, you know, consideration in a contract, earnest money, et cetera. So if if the Lord of the Manor said, yeah, y'all let you volunteer in, here's a, a, and you require 100 shekels, well, when you volunteer out, you got to give him back the 100 shekels. Okay? Okay. Yeah. That doesn't pertain to any of us. It's just an interesting aside. All right? Sure. You could. Sure. You could take your affidavit, and I think I think Dan did this actually. Okay, and you can send it to the State Department, and I've got instructions on that how to file a national affidavit with a street address and stuff. Here, you'd send it to the embassy. Okay, and you'd okay. send it Attention Administrative Records Department, and you'd put a nice little cover letter. Please find my enclosed citizenship evidence, which I request you place permanently and firmly in my administrative file okay pretty simple and now you want to make sure it's there because you don't have an id that's issued by them that is locked to it attached so you wait a little while and you put in a foia a freedom of information act request and you would foia your administrative file and they send it and you see if it's in there which it will be i'm pretty sure unless they've got administrative problems and can't get to it in time like the irs was six months behind on opening their mail <laughs> well that's what they told me roger wow okay so either one of those two you may want to just pay thirty dollars scott and get the card and then you got an active passport book you want to travel and you got the card to back it up if you need to present that to anybody in any circumstance but those are a couple of your options i'd say Okay, well, for me, I'm just—it's just more of the independence uh, and not being 
you know, the slave to the... Well, then just do a, do a one-sentence affidavit and send it to the embassy and attention administrative records, and you're out, buddy. Wow. Pretty, compli- <clears throat> pretty complicated, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Well, with our, our injected world that we're living in, I mean, I've, I've not been back to the States. I've been down here for six years. I've not returned once. I have no plans on returning. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, if, if there were to some weird scenario one day where they wanted well, to call all the children home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's probably not going to happen. It's interesting with the uh, appearance on Ingry this weekend. I also had a second contact from somebody who heard me on Deanna, and it was from a guy that's resident down in Uruguay, okay, somewhere in the interior of Uruguay. Scott, is that you that's rustling something around, or somebody got their mic open with that noise coming in? So if it's just Scott, anybody else got their mic open, if you could mute, I'd appreciate it, because there's some noise coming in somewhere. Anyway, I've, got, I've got a lot of noise here okay, where I'm at. It's probably uh, from uh, you. Road, okay? Road, that, road that, noise. All right. Well, that's okay. Uh, the guy wrote me a second time. He'd written me the first time. I want to learn about this, that, and the other. How does it apply to me in Ecuador? I'm resident here. And so then he wrote me again the other day, and I was thinking about it. I said, well, it really doesn't doesn't apply to you too much there it's not going to affect your day-to-day living here if you because you've already declared your residency and gone through the process here in ecuador right and uh so you you've already voluntarily gone in and said i'm under your laws all right i want to be and i you got to recognize them okay um Uh but if it's somebody like for instance where i was in argentina i wasn't i never was legal in argentina in nine years okay and yet I needed to open up a bank account when I opened up this Social Security account. And uh, no American bank's going to send money to Argentina. I think they got one bank they work with down there now. But if you do get it, you get the government exchange rate. And they wire your stuff in, and you get about half of what you get otherwise. Okay? And uh-huh. so I went over to Uruguay. I've been a lot of business in Montevideo, and I I like it. I've been over there a number of times and spent good time there. And so I went over to Montevideo, which is the Switzerland to South America when it comes to banking. All the big players are there. And went in to open up a bank account. And you know what? They would have done it for me, but I did neglected to bring my lease with my landlord with my address and because they didn't have a copy of my lease they wouldn't open me account and i wasted all the money going over there but uh, Mm -hmm. but they were going to open it for me okay and that was when i went and said i'm a u.s national here's my affidavit and the problem people have got open in bank accounts if you're not resident if you're resident in ecuador this guy in uruguay where you're in their system and they'll open up the account for you okay but if you're not, now you got this uh, law that they passed 20-something years ago that no bank will open up an account for a citizen of the United States or a resident of the United States because then they're locked into this U.S. legislation. Okay? Uh-huh. So that right. would be a case where that would be advantageous for you. Uh, but otherwise, just yeah, living I, here with residency here, I mean, I, I don't uh, – unless you just don't want to be a slave anymore. And that's what I think most of us are, you know. Uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, and yeah. if you're uh, down here making more than whatever the allotted IRS money is and you still want to owe taxes, we'll get you out of that. Right. Well, 
that ain't happening right now. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's difficult here, boy, I'm telling you. Anyways, well, Scott, maybe you'll make it up and we'll get to see you up here in uh, Kumbaya one of these days. Yeah, one day I mean, I've been meaning to get back up there and see Jack because he was, he was very instrumental in, in, you know, in getting me down here to Ecuador. I had lived in Belize, and I was going to go back to Belize. Uh, but also at the same time, this was like seven, eight years ago, I said, i got to get further away from the crosshairs and, 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 and find a place where there's, uh, you know, there's year-round food, stable climate, decent people, and the biggest concern is uh, contaminated water. Yeah. Okay, you know, it kind of dials back your problems. Even right. even down here, if, if the S were to hit the fan, uh, you could live homeless and not be. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, I'm going to tell you one thing about Ecuador. There's nobody ever going to starve here. Exactly. I mean, down here where I'm at on the coast, man, it's, uh, you know, uh, these as you know, people up there where you are, too. I mean, they they live on next to nothing already and, and um, you know, and they eat every day. You know, you know, I had a funny thing happen Saturday after the uh, I did Brent's show on Saturday, and then I had Angry's show that night. And I just want I like to get out of the apartment, and get away from the property, you know. And I'll walk up and grab the bus, and and go somewhere. And I I did that, and I, I was coming home, and I'd run out of strawberries. You know, one of the things uh-huh. I like here is you get fresh strawberries all year round, right? And so at the bus stops, they got all these hawkers, and they're selling all this fruit, you know, 17 tangerines for a dollar and apples. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, I know you got that down there, too, okay? And, oh, yeah. and oh, onions yeah. and all that. Hey, mandarinas, dollar, dollarita, you know, and they're all, there's a whole bunch of them. They're selling and hawking all this stuff. And generally, they don't have strawberries. And there's a guy walking by, and he's got not a five-gallon bucket, one of those white ones, but maybe about a two- or three-gallon, Okay. Uh-huh. And it's, yeah. it's about halfway or more full of small strawberries, and it's at the end of the day. And I said, I want dollarita frutillas. That's strawberries in Spanish. And the guy right. obviously was tired of schlepping them around. Hell, he poured like five pounds of strawberries in a bag for a dollar for me. <laughs> oh, my God. He just wanted to get rid of them, okay? <laughs> and so I get this huge bag of strawberries for a dollar, all right? So that's <laughs> part of the thing of living down here. You get all that good fresh fish down there on where you are. Yep. <laughs> yeah it's everywhere i mean i've we got all the and alone we got all these little restaurants tiki bar things that right. are on the beach and, uh, and it's and it's just whatever fish you want yeah uh, seafood octopus yeah. crabs you know, you shrimp you know, it just it's great you know uh yeah, and, I'm, yeah. and I, I love living on the coast i love the beauty of the mountains but i like wearing shorts year-round yeah, well, I, I I pretty well wear shorts year round up here. I just don't like all that stifling humidity you got to deal with at sea level. So, Scott, nice to meet you. I'm glad you piped up and we got a chance to talk. And uh, we're about to run out of time here. Probably hear the music in a second, but uh, sure, glad to have sure. you aboard. And if there's anything we can help you do to get that one sentence affidavit filed with the embassy here, you let us know. Okay. Well, I'll I'll do it, and I'll probably uh, uh, you know ask you a little bit more about it till I can get this thing worded correctly. You know, okay. oh, listen, uh, it's real simple. It's real simple. Uh, Just go to the bottom. Have you heard me reference the State Department document certificate of non-citizen nationality? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Well, go to travel.state.gov. That's the State uh-huh. Department website, and in the search engine, put certificate of non-citizen nationality. 
Okay, and that's for the American Samoans. But at the bottom of that document, they got a one sentence get out of jail free card. Okay, I mean, I'm serious. Is I, Scott, do solemnly swear under laws of penalty of perjury of the United States of America, you could add that in. I, my desire and intent to be a national instead of a citizen of the United States under the 14th Amendment, get it notarized. You don't even have to get it notarized, really. You send it to them that way. Sign it, obviously. You could get it witnessed if you wanted to go that. Be same as a notary. Send it to the embassy. You're out. That's all it takes. Well, especially down here, as you know, the you know, notary is everything. You know, it's the power of God of down course, here. Of course. Yeah. And then you got to go pay a, 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 an Escabana to go do it. Yeah. See, here... Yeah. You got to pay an attorney as a notary's here, so they want you to go pay that stuff to go did it. You don't go to the bank and have it. You know, a little different. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, great to have you along, man, and come back in and we can discuss this stuff more. And I sure appreciate you and Dan's along the ride today, and got Dell and we got Lewis and probably some new people lurking out there that were just a little too trepidatious to put their foot in the water. Maybe that'll be tomorrow. And well, you called my name out, and I thought I'd throw my name in the hat there since you, you know, you did a little shout out and yeah, invite, and I yeah. said, okay, I'll, 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 I'll speak up. Well, our, our mutual buddy Jack, who I've known for more than twenty five years, uh, was the one that told me you were there, and I saw your name on there. Thought it might be you. Glad you're along, Scott. Glad to meet you. As we said, for those of you who don't know, mucho gusto is nice to meet you in Spanish. So. Uh, <laughs> I want to say that with a southern, I, say that with a southern accent you, too. You can. There you go. That's right, man. That's right, y'all. Uh, also, I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit about Belize. Uh, a lot of people move to Belize because they don't have to fight the Spanish lesson because they speak English. Well, it is, but it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of bastardized English. You know, yeah. you, they, Belize is such a mixed culture of people of Spanish and and uh, African. And a lot of mixed breeding, so it's a uh, it's uh, it's a it's an odd language all over the place. So uh, I heard the northern that. part of Belize is more Spanish, southern parts more uh, African, uh-huh. and uh, you know it's tied to the dollar, and it's easy yeah. to travel back and forth to the states. Uh, you know, then that's why a lot of people go to Belize, and is you know to, because they do have the dollar, and they have their own currency as well, but. Uh, so, Can I interrupt just a second before we you, get off the air? You, you got to say, you're, we're off the air as of right now. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, for all the people listening on the board anyway, check the chat room. 